Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. And we were to look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nick Kurita, the South Australia Regional Coordinator for Faith FM. If you would like to make a comment or have your questions answered, you can text me at 0401-305-077 or send me an email at ionkrita at yahoo.com. That's I-O-N-C-R-E-T-A at yahoo.com. Our theme for this week is the Bible and end-time events. We are starting Monday with uh, big questions about what the Bible says about the prophecy. And just the other night, we were talking about who will control the world. But today, we are going to look into what are the signs of the time. Please stay with us also for the rest of the week, as we are going to look into how will the world end and what is Satan's Agenda. Our co-host today is David Butcher. David is the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. It's good to have you with us, uh, David, today. Great to be here again, Nick. David, what's going on? What are the signs of the time? Yeah, look, it, it's an incredibly relevant question, isn't it? I mean, we're right in, in the middle, it would seem, and I guess we don't even know really, of this um, coronavirus-19 pandemic Mm -hmm. and um, Melbourne right now is uh, large parts or all of it is really under lockdown absolutely Uh, so that's scary eh? people uh, have questions people are looking for hope people are looking for meaning and they don't have it I was interesting um, looking at some things on the internet earlier today and it was interesting what some of the things that people are worried about right now and some of the things they've been really worried about is is primarily, in Australia at least, is the economic impact. Uh, people are worried about their jobs, they're worried about their future, etc. So we are living in really perilous, troublesome times. In Africa, there are, you know, there are famines there. There are like uh, grasshopper locust plagues happening. So all over the world, some incredible, and I don't mean that in a positive sense, but some incredible things are happening that are making people question what is up, what's wrong with the world, what's happening. Mm. Hey David, uh, looking back in my own uh, time back home in Romania, you know, a communist country, closed country, you couldn't hear or uh, find news from uh, Overseas, to say so, and sometimes we we're just looking in the sky to see what sort of um, signs will be, you know, uh, coming up. And you know, even in my childhood, for over a period of years, let's say ten, fifteen years, was only one little flood in my town, in my village mm. there. And the Bible speaks about, you know, all sorts of diseases, you know, weather uh, change, and all all other things. But today seems like those things are nothing. You know, in comparison, what's going on all around the world? Is just that because of information we are available now? It's available to our self uh, the information more, or what? What? What's the situation? I think there's twofold things. One is, as you've just said, uh, the twenty-four-seven uh, news media 
It doesn't matter where something's happening in the world. If it's big, we'll know about it. If it's tragic, we'll particularly know about it because tragedy makes news. It makes headlines. And so many people today actually switch off from watching the news because it's all depressing. On the other hand, you also raise an interesting point. Are we seeing more frequency of natural disasters and things like this? And the answer is yes. The frequency is increasing, and not only the frequency, but the intensity of these um, natural disasters and other things are, are more intense. And added to that, um, the, the economic cost is greater as we develop and become more reliant on, on infrastructure. Mm. You know, there were times when people were just looking into searching in astrology, you know, checking their horoscope and all those things, you know, to look for some signs and things. But uh, today you can see with a naked eye, you know, things just happening uh, very frequently. Now, is astrology an art or science? How accurate are the predictions? Yeah, look, it's, I would prefer to trust the one who made the stars. Uh, and he made the stars not to tell us uh, what's going to happen to us today or this week or next month, but he made them for a purpose and it wasn't to tell the future, whereas the one who made the stars has given us the scripture which reveals to us the future. Mm -hmm. So what amazes me, Nick, is so often, um, you know, the media and people on um, celebrities will refer to their star sign or refer to what their stars are reveal, have revealed to them, what, what the verdict is for them. Uh, you'll see it on mainstream TV in the morning, and I hardly ever watch it, but if I flick it on uh, fairly regularly, they'll have a little segment about star signs and astrology. And yet I never hear anyone on mainstream TV um, wanting to read the scripture. Mm -hmm. And they talk about the star signs as if it's legitimate, as if it's fact. So and it's certainly not science. And as you just said, the creator of the stars, you know, points to something more accurate than the prediction of those, those things. You know, he's the creator of the universe. And we have Bible prophecy, which it's interesting to look at that. We have, we have prophecy. We have predictions that were made, um, thousand or more years ago, two thousand, three thousand more years ago that have come true. And yet the media don't pick up on that and they say, look, we can trust the Bible because what it predicted thousands of years ago did come to fulfillment. No. Instead, they get someone on there, an astrologist or a stargazer, and they say, tell us what our future is going to be. And, and the way they do it, they are so serious about it. And it just amazes me. Mm. And Jesus himself, you know, on this earth, he uh, kind of raised that uh, question up to the people of the day, uh, telling them, ah, you, you can look at in the sky and maybe even know about what's, what the weather pattern will be tomorrow. But, you know, what did Jesus say was more important than being able to read the heavens? Yeah, Jesus said, so this is in Matthew chapter 16, verses 2 and 3, and Jesus is talking to the religious leaders and he says, when it is evening, you say it will be, uh, you'll say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. In other words, they know how to predict the weather. And in the morning, he says, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. In other words, 
The religious leaders could forecast the weather and could say what was going to happen. But when it came to prophetic signs and the prophetic signs of Scripture, they absolutely had no idea. Mm. Um, you know, the Old Testament, Nick, it has, um, it has at least 300 prophecies, messianic prophecies, prophecies that were given hundreds and hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, predicting who the Messiah, who the Savior would be. Mm-hmm. All about Jesus. And yet when Jesus did come, the religious leaders could predict the weather the night before, and yet they'd had fulfilled Bible prophecy of who the Messiah would be. He was then in front of them, and they couldn't read the signs. Mm. And what specific signs were the disciples of Christ most interested in? Because as you just said, these people were walking with Jesus. They were close friends. Even even though we mentioned that the religious people of the day, they missed out of the bigger event of the day. But what are these uh, people more closer to Jesus saying? Yeah, look, it, it's a very good question. And I think really um, what this comes down to, if we're talking about the signs and the predicament of the world, our key chapter is Matthew chapter 24. And it's a really good chapter, and it, it really begins with, uh, and if maybe if I read from verse 1, Nick, and, and you tell me to stop where you mm. want me to stop. It says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. He's in Jerusalem. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you that not one stone will be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. So the disciples and Jesus are in Jerusalem. They've got this incredible edifice that has been built, the temple. And as they're leaving the temple, the disciples I picture were very proud of what they could see, this amazing structure. Mm Mm-hmm. And they point out the various buildings of the temple. This was where God's presence was meant to be. And they point out the various buildings and they say, look how incredible, if you like, this is Jesus. They're proud. And their eyes were still fixed on the things on, on, on this earth. On bricks and mortar. Mm. And, and then Jesus bursts their bubble. He bursts their world. He says, look at these stones. And these weren't just small stones. These were huge stones. He said, not one of these will be left Upon another, they'll all be destroyed. This will all be destroyed. Now that's significant because if you're a, a God-fearing Jew, the temple was God's dwelling place on earth, and here is Jesus, their master, their teacher, saying that there is going to come a time where this temple will be destroyed. Now that hurts because this is where God is. So what's mm-hmm. that must mean? That it's going to be the end of the age, the end of the world. In fact, if we read on in Matthew 24, verse three. Now, as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Mm. In other words, um, the disciples understood that if the temple was going to be destroyed, it must also be the end of the world. And what's associated with the end of the world? The coming of Jesus. Which means they at uh, that time when Jesus were talking was talking to them, they kind of, uh, you know, raise their eyes up and think, okay, is this the end of the world? That's exactly and right. And does anyone know the exact date of Jesus coming? No, they don't. In fact, um, the Bible actually says, Jesus says, no one knows the day nor the hour. This is Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Mm. Now, In our time, Nick, um, we've lived in a world where 
all sorts of people have predicted all sorts of things, like the star signs. But of more seriousness are those predictions when people say, Jesus is going to come back. It's the end of the world. Um, and here in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus saying, no one knows the day nor the hour. It's interesting. Um, in May 21, uh, 2011, there was a, a gentleman, a religious leader called uh, Harold Camping. And he was predicting uh, that the end of the world um, would occur. And he predicted that um, a lot of this sort of thing would happen between May and October um, 2011. Um, uh, 2011, Jesus was going to return to the earth. Then there would be, uh, you know, five or six months of calamities. Uh, now, he was ridiculed, he was mocked, but he was a serious Bible preacher, at least many people thought he was. They followed him. They believed what he said, but it didn't come to fruition. It didn't come to pass. And then uh, everyone who predicts the end of the world had one thing in common. They were all wrong. Absolutely. And so when we um, diverge from Scripture, what the Scripture actually reveals to us, we're on shaky ground. And Jesus makes it very clear that no one knows the day nor the hour, only, not even the angels, but my Father only. Then can we know when the return of Jesus is near? Because this can be very, you know, well linked, you know, with, uh, with the end of the world. Because we know that when Jesus will come a uh, second time, that will be the end of the world. But do we know the signs of Jesus' second coming? Yeah, and I think uh, clearly God wants, the Bible says that God wants everyone to be saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish. So he doesn't want uh, the second coming to be a sneaky, silent, uh, quiet an unheard of event. He wants people to know about it, but more importantly than know about it, he wants people to be people to be prepared for his coming. Mm. So, in Matthew chapter 24, he gives us some indicators. He gives us some signs of what will be taking place in the world just prior to his return. That's great. And uh, just looking at the What's going on right now, as yeah. you just mentioned a bit earlier, there are all sorts of all sorts of uh, claims. You know that uh, this is it. This is the end of the world. Look what's happening in the world right now globally with this pandemic, with uh, the financial worries, with the political uh, also um, activity. You know we have that struggle here just with our neighbors. You know and all sorts of things. Uh, how important is to understand that this is not the end of the world looking at those things but to understand the bible and the prophecies of the bible it's critically important um we can get caught up in the signs and we can be worried and we can be perturbed uh, and, and perturbed and 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 lose all hope but jesus tells us this thing so that we won't live in anxiety we won't live in fear he tells us these things so we can be ready and so that we'll actually have peace. Mm. And what illustration does Jesus use when describing the signs of Christ's return, at his second coming? Yeah, look, he, he, let, let's, let's have a look at that. He actually says, um, I'll just pull up the scripture. Uh, where are we? Matthew 24, I think verse 8. Yeah, he says, all these things 
are the beginning of sorrows. Now, um, before that, he has talked about things such as uh, wars and rumors of wars, nations rising against nations, famines and pestilences and earthquakes, and we'll talk about those, I'm sure. But he says that um, the end is not yet. And then he says all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Now, the New Testament, which Matthew was part of the New Testament, was actually written in Greek. And um, the Greek word for sorrows is the same word that is used of a lady, a woman, in labor, in pregnancy. And um, I had the privilege to be there for for both of uh, uh, my children, my wife and I, Megan and I, our children's uh, births. And um, uh, I remember particularly the first one. The second one was scheduled. Um, It was a cesarean, a C-section, but the first one wasn't. Um, and I remember um, waiting, and my wife would have a bag packed of, of things to take to the hospital uh, when it all happened. She was ready. She was fully prepared. And God wants us to be prepared for Jesus' coming. So when things began to happen and speed up, uh, we rang the hospital. It was 3.30 one morning, and the hospital said, okay, um, come in. So my wife had a shower, and we, we went in the car. She had a bag packed. And it was about a a 30-odd-hour experience. But uh, I fell asleep through part of this. But I clearly remember at certain times that the the pains and the contractions were becoming more frequent and the pain more intense. Not for me. And Megan, obviously, she was awake. eh? She was awake. I was asleep. But but as that birth drew on, um, as that birth drew near, the, the, the birth pains were becoming stronger, more intense, and the distance between them, the gap between them was shortening. They were becoming um, quicker and quicker. And so Jesus likens the signs, the things that would be happening prior to his coming, almost like birth pains. Now, when those contractions become quicker and quicker and more intense, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be a birth soon. Mm. And so as we see the world in more and more turmoil, the natural world, and um, and other things, you know, the, the political world, the moral world, the spiritual world. As we see um, fervent and turmoil in all of these things becoming more intense and quicker and quicker, more rapid, Jesus is saying this is just like birth pains. The child's going to come uh, with a birth and Jesus will come in reality, the second time. And it's not time to make uh, plans for other things, you know, to go on a holiday, to uh, build a house, to do other things right there. You have to concentrate yourself for that birth. And that's really critical, Nick. Jesus doesn't give these signs in Matthew 24. He doesn't give them so that we can tick things off on a calendar or mark them off. He gives us these so that we will be ready. And throughout the chapter, particularly near the end of Matthew 24, he says, watch and be ready. Mm. He doesn't want us caught out unawares. And, and obviously that doesn't mean what I said before that we should now all uh, just isolate, you know, don't do anything, you know, the life still goes on, but you need to be alert and prepare because you know that Jesus, Jesus is at the door. Absolutely. What are some of the signs associated with the very last days just before uh, Jesus' return, David? Yeah, look, excellent question, Nick. So again, we go to Matthew chapter 24, and um, we'll pick it up in verse 4. 
Uh, and it says there, And Jesus said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So one of the signs Jesus gives, and I won't spend too much time on this now, we might talk about it later, but throughout Matthew 24, he talks about being deceived by people who say they are the Christ. Spiritual deliverers. So that is one. Another one is wars and rumors of wars. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Kingdom will rise against kingdom and nation against nation. So Jesus is saying that in the world there will be bloodshed, there will be greed, and this will overflow to warfare. And then are there other signs also where you can see that we are living in that time? Yes, there are. There are. There are um, also signs in, in, as I said, there was um, uh, false prophets and false Christs. Again, in verse 11, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Um, uh, verse 12, we read, and because of lawlessness, because lawless, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So there's going to be, uh, before Jesus comes, there is going to be a lack of value for government laws and also for the laws of God. Mm -hmm. People will be filled with self-interest. Is that then um, a sign also in the religious world? How is religion going to um, be affected in uh, these times? Because, you know, people are still, when they have troubles, look at this, even the pandemic or back in the United States with uh, September 11 and so on, people are just rushing to the churches to find answers there to the Bible, just only at that time. Mm. After that, you're just falling away again. And look, if we were to jump, which we won't now with time, but if we were to jump to Revelation chapter 13, we know from Bible prophecy that there will be great spiritual revivals before Jesus comes back. But many of those will be false. And Jesus is alerting the reader. He's alerting us today that there will be people that come Uh, spiritual leaders claiming they're the Christ, claiming they're the Messiah, claiming follow me. And he's saying, don't be deceived. And, and repeatedly he says, don't be deceived. And in Matthew 24, as you pointed out, you know, about there will be wars and rumors of wars. But when you think about just, I, and I have this statistic a little bit to all the statistics, but, you know, over 30 wars every year, you know, you have one million uh, dollar spent on war every hour. When yeah. you think of those uh, uh, things, uh, 80 times more on ore than is required to provide water and sanitation to the world. You know, uh, and we have so much talk about even the nuclear uh, arsenals and all those things. It's interesting, Nick. Uh, in the 14 years since 9-1-1, the attack on the U.S., by Al-Qaeda, the U.S. spent an average of $337 million a day on war spending, their war budget. $337 million a day in the 14 years subsequent to the attack. And in Luke, uh, if we are going to turn in Luke, David, uh, chapter 21, uh, are you able to read a couple of verses there, 25 and 26? Luke 21, chapter 21, from verses 25 to 26. And again, this is Jesus talking about his return and what was occurring before. And he says, And there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expect expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. 
And then verse 27, did you want me to yes, read that? Yes, please. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. One word uh, caught my attention there, David, distress. Yes. Now, is that something which we're experiencing right now, even with this uh, coronavirus thing? I heard about that there will be more um, people affected and maybe even die because of post-traumatic stress disorder rather maybe, uh, than the virus itself. There are obviously the first thing people thought of with COVID-19 was the, the health cost, number of infections, the deaths, the transmissions, and, and that is just mind-blowing. But then people started focusing on the economic cost to the nation and to the world, and that is mind-blowing. But then after that, people start thinking of the emotional cost and the, the mental cost and the social cost. People are in isolation. People are, are anxious and distressed. This will have a significant cost for years and years and years to come. And there were predictions just at the beginning of this virus that uh, at least uh, $1 trillion will be spent uh, and lost, you know, uh, because of this uh, virus, because uh, of the effects of the virus. Yeah, look, I saw a figure today. For every week, I think that, um, uh, I don't know if they're talking about Victoria or Melbourne, but it was a billion-dollar cost to the, the government. Mm. Oh, that's, and I that's think that amazing. was maybe to keep people in, I don't know if it was JobKeeper or what, but a billion dollars a week. Can we turn the Bible now to James? So, so just on that, yeah. Nick, Jesus says that, there will be distress of the nations. We've talked about that. And people's hearts failing them for fear. Now, a lot of people think of the end of, world, of the world as fearful. God doesn't want us to think of it as fearful. He wants us to be ready. He wants us to be prepared. And actually to the last part of that passage, you know, the encouragement is here not to be fearful, but to know those things which are coming on earth. And that's... Uh, when we're looking into the prophecy, this is the uh, you know topic for our program today, to understand the prophecy of the, of the Bible, to understand that we've been foretold the history of this world way uh, many years ago. You know, last uh, night we talked about Daniel chapter 2 yes. and the image, you know, and all those uh, um, big uh, empires, you know, just following after each other. And that was prophesied in the Bible. When people at that time, if you'll tell people at that time, they will say, go away from here, yeah. you know, uh, these things are not going to happen in this way. But now we have the privilege to look back into those and also to understand some of the uh, passages on the Bible which speaks about the end time. So when we go back and look at fulfilled Bible prophecy, that it came true, what the Bible said actually came true, it should give us courage and certainty and confidence that what is yet to be fulfilled that the Bible talks about will actually take place. Mm. And so the end of that passage in Luke 21 says to lift up your heads because your salvation draws nigh. Don't be fearful. Your heart won't fail you for fear. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, it is your rescue. Mm. That's great. Can we turn now to James, uh, uh, David, if we can, uh, James chapter 5, and read a few passages there from verse 1. Um. Okay, so James chapter 5 from verse 1. It says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat 
your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. So this is a picture, Nick. What's this telling you here? To whom is this passage speaking? Well, James is Jesus' brother, and, and I think he's, he's talking to believers. Absolutely. But he's also saying that before Jesus comes back, well, this is what was evident in James's day, but uh, one of the things he mentions there is fraud. Now, that's huge. Um, now, if that's going to happen inside the Christian church or those that claim to be Christians, imagine what's actually happening outside of the church. Yes, I, that's really, I mean, looking into what's going on in, in the world today, you know, with the famous people, you know, just uh, talking about uh, uh, modern, um, you know, uh, exploitation and, and people thinking that, oh, we are uh, not doing like what those people in olden days were doing, you know, uh, uh, holding on the people's uh, freedom and so on and so forth. But we still... Uh, act in a way that we promote um, exploitation. Slave labor is huge today, absolutely huge. Uh, and you have clothing companies, you have um, uh, cocoa bean companies that make coffee and chocolate that talk about that this is ethically, ethically, um, uh, an ethically safe product. It's been uh, farmed and grown without um, slave labor. Clothing has been produced without slave labor. It's a real issue because companies now are becoming aware of it. And buyers want to make sure they're going to buy something that's ethically just. So James here is talking about people's social conscience. He's talking about the rich increasing their wealth. And, um, you know, Nick, um, a report by the United Nation indicates that the world's 500 richest people have more wealth combined, uh, more wealth than the combined income of the 400, of the 416 million poorest inhabitants in the world. So 500 people have more wealth than 416 of the world's poorest inhabitants. And is this, David, uh, speaking like in a loud words that the people, uh, rich people and people with those money taking advantage of those people with low income and, uh, you know, just exploiting those people it, in need? Capitalism and, and globalism, absolutely. Um, and the shocking thing is we might say we would never do that, but we would be considered in our culture if you have a job, um, you would be considered to be in the high end of, of by the world standards of, of wealth and income. And you know, in Daniel, if you look back again in chapter 12, verse 4, it says here, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and the knowledge shall increase. And we definitely live in this era, David, when the knowledge is, you know, I, I believe um, we reach that peak. You know, I'm not sure how much we can develop because, you know, even all those uh, inventions, you know, happens like in, in this period of time. Yeah, look, it is. And, and no one can keep abreast of it fully. Uh, some suggest that technology is doubling every two years, every two years. Uh, and guess what? There is more unique information developed each year than the previous 5,000 years combined. 
And a week's worth of news, Nick, from the New York Times contains more information that the average person would come across in an entire lifetime if they'd lived in the 18th century. Mm, that's, that's true. That's so that's true. amazing. A week's worth of news today would be more than someone would have an entire lifetime in the 18th century. But you know, again, we mentioned Matthew 24, and I'd like to, uh, to look at the verse here, yeah, verse 37. It says, But as the days of Noah were, also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, what happened in the days of Noah? Then Jesus, you know, was comparing these times of the end with those times. Exactly. Um, no one had ever seen a flood before in Noah's day. No one had ever seen a flood. No one had ever seen rain, if you look at Scripture. Um, and so here is this man building a boat on dry land, and not just any boat for a lake, but a huge boat. Mm. A- and so Noah was ridiculed. He preached. He said, if you want to be rescued, the world's going to come to an end. There's going to be a flood. You've got to get on the boat. And he preached for 120 years, Scripture indicates. And no one, he invited anyone to get on board, but no one did. And in Matthew 30, uh, Matthew 24, verse 37 that you mentioned, it says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Mm. For as in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not know until the flood came and took them all away so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So what's Jesus trying to say here? Incidentally, he refers to Noah's flood. Mm -hmm. So if we believe in Jesus, then we should believe that the flood is a literal event that occurred. And what Genesis tells us about it happened. So Jesus says that what happened in Noah's day, there is a similarity with what will take place just before Jesus comes. Now, what was occurring in the verses we read? People were eating drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. In other words, they were carrying on with life as normal, oblivious to the signs of the times. They were oblivious to Noah's preaching that the world was going to end. And so God here in Scripture, and Jesus in Matthew 24 in particular, he gives us the signs and the things that would be going to take place before he comes. And Jesus says that again, People will think the world will just continue and just carry on. This is just a hiccup. It's a bump on the horizon. It's just a little speed hump. We'll survive. Mm. And they won't know, and, and like it was in Noah's day, until the flood came and took them all away. So Jesus' coming will be like a thief, the Bible says, unexpected. But it won't be secret. Mm. When it happens, everyone will know. The timing is secret, no one knows, but when it comes, everyone will see. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 27, he says, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So Jesus wants people to be prepared, and yet we're living in a time of eating and drinking and marriage and giving in marriage. I believe there was nothing wrong with that, you know, no. to get married, to build a house, to do all those things, you know. But what was wrong? Because they didn't know the will of God. They didn't understand what God was telling Noah to do, you know, and save the people for that time. And that could be very tricky for us today, being busy with all those things and good things. They're, they're good not things. bad in themselves, yes. necessarily. Uh, And yet we're just too busy for God. In fact, when Jesus refers to the flood story, 
He actually um, is referring to Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Then the Lord saw that um, the wickedness of man, the evil of man, was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil and evil continually. We're living in an age of evil. Mm. We're living in an age of greed, as we've said, with capitalism and everything. And that's the same sort of picture. What was happening before the flood is now occurring and repeating itself again. Mm-hmm. David, uh, time is running so fast today. Uh, we did all this talk about the signs of the time. We are going to take a short break and we'll come back just to, to continue. Please don't go anywhere. This is Faith FM. Stay with us. This is Gavin Chatelier with It Is No Secret. The chimes of time Bring out the news another day is through Someone slipped and fell Was that someone you? You may have longed for added strength Your courage to renew Do not be disheartened For I have news for you It is no secret what God can do What He's done for others He'll do for you With arms wide open He'll pardon you It is no secret what God no night for in his light you'll never walk alone you'll always feel at home wherever you may roam there is no power can conquer you while God is on your side take him at his promise don't run away
Welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Nick Rita and our co-host today is David Butcher. Our big questions for today is what are the signs of the time? And we were just looking in Matthew 24 uh, to understand some of these signs of the time. What are are these, um, how are these associated with the very last days before Jesus' return? David, uh, can we look in uh, Matthew 24? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Jesus talks three, four, five times about false prophets, false messiahs, false Christ. So in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 24, Jesus said this, and I'll start at verse 23. He says, Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And then he says, see, I've told you beforehand. So in other words, Jesus is saying that um, throughout history, but particularly just before he comes, there will be people coming saying, look, I'm the Christ, or there he is over there. He's, he's, he's in uh, Alice Springs, or he's in Sydney. Um, Jesus is saying, don't believe it. It's one of the signs that will be happening, one of the things that will be happening just before Jesus comes back, spiritual deception. Now, as we learn a bit earlier that there will be lots of things going on, um, like pestilence, like uh, earthquakes, uh, wars, and all sorts of things. But in the end, again, from a spiritual point of view, we need to understand how Jesus is going to return and to understand that. And the enemy, the enemy of God and the enemy of man, which is Satan, he will do whatever it takes to deceive to turn their minds away from uh, from this thing, and can we turn also in First Timothy, uh, chapter four? There is a beautiful uh, verse there. Okay, First Timothy four verse one. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, that's in the last days, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So, what he's really saying here is just before Jesus comes, some will leave the faith. So in other words, people from within Christianity will, um, will backslide, will leave the faith, and they will be, um, they'll be possessed and led, if you like, by false teaching, mm-hmm. by, by demons, mm-hmm. by false angels, by the enemy, by Satan. So Jesus also talks about false miracles. And it will, this will happen in the church. It will happen in the church. And how can you trust them, uh, the, the, the church and the teachings of men? How can you trust them? Well, we need to not walk by the things we see, but walk by the, by the word of God. And in Second Timothy uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 5, but just a couple of words there, it says here that, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. You know, can you just have a form of godliness? 
So you can have, you can, you can have the pretensions, you can have the actions, you can look like a Christian, you can sound like a Christian, you can go to church like a Christian, but you can fail to have the connection with God. And therefore, if you don't have the connection, you don't have the power. Mm. And again, t- turning back to 24, uh, David, sorry to put you to flick the pages quite well uh, tonight in Matthew 24, verse 4. 14. I believe this is a very, very good uh, passage here to bring it up. This is a powerful verse, um, and we'll explain why in a, in, a, in a minute. But in Matthew 24, 14, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So really, um, this is a precise sign. Because Jesus is saying the good news. That's the good news of Jesus' victory over Satan. His death, his life, his death, his resurrection, he's alive again. That's the gospel. And he's saying this has to be preached in the entire world as a witness to everyone because God wants everyone to have Mm -hmm. the opportunity to be saved. But then he says in Matthew 24, and then the end will come. So this is a precise sign. Earlier on, I think it was in verse 6, Jesus says the end is not yet. Wars and rumors of wars. The end is not yet. He talks about the birth pains. It's near. Mm-hmm. But in verse 14, he says, with the gospel going to the entire world, then the end will come. And what I like on this one, David, is that you and me and everyone there who believes in God we can be part of this sign actually by sharing the good news, by spreading it out. Now, of course, like never before, maybe in this time we live in with the technology we have at hand, that the message is preached even in places where you cannot get there because of certain uh, obstructions there, political and uh, cultural and all, all those ones. But the message is still going on through the radio, for example, and media and anything else. So we can have a hand and a part in fulfilling this sign. Absolutely. The gospel going to all the world. In fact, that's what Jesus commanded us to in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. He gives us the gospel commission, go into all the world, preach to everyone. So, yeah, this is powerful. It's it's a precise sign. What is the greatest uh, danger associated with the soon coming of Jesus? And again, we have to turn in Matthew 24, verse 44. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is a significant danger that we face as Christians. So verse 44, it says, Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. In fact, verse 42, Jesus says, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. That's verse 42. And then 44, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And how can we be ready then for uh, the second coming of Jesus? Well, Jesus tells us to be watching, doesn't he? Now, what are we watching? The newspapers, the television, the internet? Or are we, that, that's part of it. But that doesn't make us ready for Jesus. What makes us ready for Jesus is whether we've given our heart to him or not. Mm -hmm. And what I like about this, Nick, um, you know, with the COVID-19 restrictions, I don't know about you, but after a while, particularly in South Australia, not every state is the same, but um, it was almost like, well, not much has happened here. Mm -hmm. And you just sort of relax. Yes. You off your guard. And then there's this wake-up call in Melbourne with so many people becoming infected and then really tight restrictions coming back in. So there is a danger, even for Christians. 
there is a danger for everyone, and I guess particularly Christians, because they're looking for mm-hmm. his coming, that we'll just, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And we, we just become um, lazy, if you like. We become blasé about mm-hmm. it, and we actually take our eyes off the reality of his coming, and we're not ready. And as you mentioned about to open our hearts, what it says in Revelation um, chapter 3, verse 20, that this is a very well-known passage there, David, what it says about our heart. Yeah, beautiful. Um, Jesus is talking uh, through John, um, John's writing, the book of Revelation given to him by Jesus. Jesus has a message to seven physical churches in, in what we would call modern-day Turkey. And one of these messages is to a church in Laodicea. And Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus is saying, I don't just want to be out on the footpath. I don't want to be on your driveway. I don't want to be on your front porch, your veranda. I want to be inside your house. In other words, he's saying, I want to be in your heart. And he's saying, back in the Bible times, eating with someone was something of great intimacy, sitting down eating a meal. And Jesus says, if you just, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. I want a part of you. I, w- I, want, I want you to take me fully into your life. But I'm knocking. Mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't force himself. And he gives us the opportunity. He invites us to open the door of our life, the door of our heart, to invite him into our lives, to give ourselves fully to him, to have a full friendship with Jesus, to give ourselves fully to him. And when we have that, we have certainty, we have security. We don't have to be anxious like we've read in Luke 21. We can lift up our heads because our salvation draws near. David, uh, our time is going very fast. Uh, We are going to just... uh, uh, Put an ad, uh, and I would like to say to our listeners here, if you can grab this book, The Great Controversy, please do that. This is an amazing book. Let's just hear this ad, and we'll be back for uh, conclusion. When your life gets harder and the world gets worse, Jesus has the answers. Do you need the hope that Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family, or workmates? Faith FM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Again, that's a life-changing book, David. Uh, if anyone uh, can uh, put their hands on it, it's worth it. It's powerful. But it's yeah. powerful. But just let's come to some conclusion, David. Uh, what would you like to bring together here? Yeah, look, I think there are three key points I'd like to bring out, Nick. Firstly, that no one knows exactly when Jesus will return. So if someone is telling you that he's going to return on a certain date, don't believe it. But these signs, if you like, that we've been talking about are there to help us be ready, to alert us to the fact that his coming is certain and it's going to be soon. Um, We know that the gospel going into all the world is a precise sign uh, and uh, that's certain. He then tells us that the signs indicate that his coming is soon. We've talked about that. And thirdly, he says that to be ready. To not be deceived, we need to be watching, we need to be prepared now. And I don't know about you, Nick, but I'd like to share a little story with you if I could. Um, In the days of the Titanic, when it made its maiden and only voyage, 
um, there were some interesting things that occurred there. And uh, on that um, fateful voyage, uh, when all the rich and the wealthy were dining and, and living it up on that ship, uh, it was headed to perilous waters and yet no one knew it. A tragedy was about to occur. And so on the night the Titanic sank, one of the ship's owners who was also aboard the ship was called to the bridge, was called to HQ, if you like, the, the bridge of the ship. And he was called there because a telegram had arrived. And that telegram had arrived at the bridge of the Titanic and it had come from a ship that was further ahead on the journey. And that communique, uh, the telegram, warned that there were significant ice flows and icebergs ahead and that you needed to chart your course very carefully because it was perilous. Mm -hmm. And so that communique came to the Titanic. They called one of the owners up to the bridge and that owner came up dressed in his tuxedo, a wealthy man. Dressed in his tuxedo. The owner um, received the telegram. It was printed out. He received it. I was sorry, written out. He received it. He folded it in half and then he folded that telegraph in half again. Now, remember what it said. It said perilous times, ice flows and icebergs ahead. So the owner folds it in half, folds it in half again, and then he placed it inside a pocket in his tuxedo and he went below deck and returned to the life of the party. Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to think about that, Nick, in regards to what we're actually saying here. And I want our listeners to think about it. Have you got the message? Have you got the communique that life is not going to return to normal fully, that there are perilous times ahead, there are signs ahead, Jesus is coming again, he's coming soon. And all of these things that are happening in the world, the physical world, the spiritual world, the moral world, are signs and indicators. They're icebergs, ice flows, if you like. Danger is around us. Jesus is coming. And so my message and my challenge to the people listening is don't just follow Hold that communique that we've talked about, the signs of Jesus' coming. Don't put that in your pocket and forget about it and go back to the party because destruction is certain. Instead, act upon what Jesus has given us in Matthew 24. Act upon what we've read in the scriptures, that Jesus is coming again and he is coming soon and we need to be ready. That's powerful, David. And as we are talking today, about signs of the time is not just about to observe that and to understand and to know, but is to make a decision is to take a stand yourself to um, act in accordance with your knowledge. And this is also for those people who pretend that they know the will of God It's just come in my mind. Again, a story when Jesus were telling the disciples and the people in Jerusalem that that temple, that great temple will be destroyed. And they, Jesus advised them to flee when they will see the, um, uh, you know, the... In Matthew 24, when they saw the signs, when they saw the Roman armies um, retreating, he said, when this happens, he was warning them in advance, that's your time to get out of Jerusalem. And not one uh, Christian perished because they'd heeded the sign. Yes, absolutely. But many, many... Who Jews, lived in uh, in Jerusalem? They died there because they could see. And listeners, you can just uh, search for that. How the army came to attack Jerusalem they and, came back. and they retreat, you know, for no reason. Mm. And people thought, oh, we are still safe here. You know, another pandemic come and may go, and you will say, all right, life is going on again Continuing and again. Continuing as normal. Yeah, David, would you be able to just close for us with a word of prayer? Yeah. 
Father in heaven, we just want to thank you that you're a loving God. You don't want anyone to perish. It's not your will. It's not your desire. And so you've made very clear in Scripture some of the things that will be occurring before you come back, like birth pains, these things are, letting us know that the birth, letting us know your coming is near, even at the doors, uh, Matthew 24 says. Lord, help us not just to know Scripture. Help us to know the God of the Scripture. Help us not to just know the facts and know the stories, but may we give our life to the story writer, Jesus Christ himself. And so, Father, may people not just hear this message. May they not just put the message in their pocket like the owner of the Titanic, but may they make a decision to be ready and to be watching for your coming, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. It looks like our time is up for today. Thank you for joining Nick Rita and uh, David Butcher. Please come back tomorrow and we'll look at another very interesting uh, uh, topic. How will the world end? Uh, please give me a ring or an SMS at 0401-305-077 or email me at yonkrita at yahoo.com. That's I-O-N-C-R-E-T-A at yahoo.com. Really looking forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace of the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. This is in John fourteen twenty seven. May God richly bless you. I'll leave you with a song. And please Tune with us again tomorrow for another exciting topic on Drive Time. Well, I like the way you love me. I enjoy the freedom he gave to me. And I delight in his presence as he sings.